One of these things is not like the others. One of these things doesn't belong. This tune keeps coming to mind as we hear about national leaders trying to make a case that parents speaking up at school board meetings are the equivalent of domestic terrorists. Today, we're going to take a deeper look at what lies beneath that trend when it comes to the erosion of parental authority in the U.S. and our own state. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. All right, well, before we dive in, I just need to get something off my mind here. Let's just say it's one of those irrational fears about things you just can't control in life. All right, is anybody else freaked out by the fact that NASA is experimenting with asteroids, with changing the direction of asteroids? Well, I, you know, when I think about it, I just think, well, somehow we've existed this long and haven't been hit by an asteroid. So I have a hard time thinking. Sometimes I wonder if we outsmart ourselves. Like, now we know how to do this. So let's go up and, you know, try to mess with space. I don't know. For me, I guess I'm just a little more like live and let live. And I would imagine that God has this. Yeah, I think a lot of people in the scientific world might look down their noses at that and think that we're ignorant for saying that. But I'm sorry, we've had asteroids coming at us, haven't we, for hundreds, thousands of years. And now we think we need to get in there and intervene. And it just seems like one of those human experiences or experiments that could just go horribly wrong. I mean, we still can't redirect a hurricane or a tornado or and they're a little closer <laughs> yeah. in my mind. Let's so I start just with that. I just feel like maybe we should tackle simpler things. I mean, by all means, I'm fascinated by space. I have to. My sister was she always wanted to go to space camp, wanted to be an astronaut. Like I just, I, you know, I'm. it is fascinating, but it just seems a little odd. Honestly, I've been intrigued in the news lately that we're now joyriding to space. I mean, literally, we're going up for the heck of it, apparently now, just to kind of of get the experience. And we're sending celebrities. I, I'm sure you saw William Shatner went up and, um, you know, he's 90 years old. I mean, it is kind of like a capstone life experience, yeah. but also he took criticism. You know, they're taking criticism for like, this is how you waste your time or spend your money or whatever it is. And then I think about who's criticizing and I think, come on, <laughs> like the parties that are out in Hollywood are like a great use of time and money. I mean, it's just the well, whole thing is a little weird. Instead of Muppets in space, it's billionaires in space. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, <laughs> if I had a lot of money and I, I guess didn't have the value that I should be like giving this to help world problems, then I guess, you know, what are you going to do with it? Fly yourself to space. Well, and they think that they're extending, looking for ways to extend life. Life, interestingly, when when we know what the real answer to that is. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for exploration. Exploration, you know, is how we, <laughs> how I was born in the United States. Somebody mm -hmm. explored and, you know, but I just, this is a little bit of a different, interesting <laughs> realm, I guess. Well, as we get into more serious topics for today, I do need to give a quick heads up to parents once again that we are going to be dealing with some very serious issues that you might not want little ears to hear. So just keep that in mind as we move ahead. But I do think it's necessary to address these topics head on because we need to be apprised and stay on top of what exactly is going on in our schools here in Virginia right now. So just for a quick reminder, last week we updated you on how the National School Board Association asked President Biden to basically mobilize the FBI and treat parent protests at school board meetings as the equivalent of domestic terrorism. Now, we predicted last week when we were talking about this that all these vague descriptions of violence and so-called heinous actions that the association was citing as the whole need for this drastic action, it actually didn't have a lot of facts behind these claims of violence, or maybe it wasn't all what it was cracked up to be. Well, as it turns out, 
we have gotten some big news in the last few days that does confirm our predictions. I think one thing we've learned is these news stories always have more to the story. And this is actually pretty heartbreaking, but not surprising that there's more to the story. You know, to bolster its case, the National School Board Association letter actually cited documentation of the arrest of a father at a Loudoun County school board meeting. Um, folks might remember the video of the guy being arrested at the school board meeting. And now we've we've got the rest of the story. The father has now come forward to share why he was at that meeting, why he was so upset and trying to speak out about the transgender issues policy in the first place. That is to say that he says his 15-year-old daughter was sexually assaulted by a biological male wearing female attire in the bathroom of a local public high school. So not only that, but now there's evidence the same boy allegedly was charged with sexual battery on a different young girl after he was transferred to another school in the same area. Okay, what's especially outrageous about this whole thing is that at this same school board meeting where the father got arrested and it went viral and all the media reports kept showing that clip over and over, at that very same meeting, the school superintendent actually had the audacity to state that they didn't have any records of assaults in their schools, their school restrooms. So let's just listen into that for a second. Do we have assaults in our bathrooms or our locker rooms regularly? I would hope not, but I would like clarification. To my knowledge, we don't have any records of assaults occurring in our restroom. So what you heard there is a liberal school board member, Beth Bartz, trying to insinuate that parents had no real reasons for safety concerns about letting biological boys into female private areas like in a locker room or a bathroom. So you hear her asking the superintendent if there, have, there are any records of assaults, and he clearly says no. The most damning thing I think about this, that statement, is that it was just maybe two weeks before that we now know the police had been notified by school officials about this possible assault. And they started a whole investigation. I think eventually there was an arrest made out of that. So it's, it's really hard to believe that they didn't know a thing about it. When you look at this from the father's perspective, from the dad who's sitting there realizing that not only is the superintendent denying that there's actually a problem with the, these scenarios, but they're at the, doing it at the exact same time they're trying to push through a new policy that makes them more likely. But then on top of that, the father's actually cited as evidence that, that we need the FBI to intervene because these parents are such a problem. So, I mean, no wonder he felt like he had to take this public because he's being targeted at a national level instead of them actually just focusing on the real issues of safety. Exactly. And I agree. It is heartbreaking when you think about the impact I mean, these are real people involved in all this, on all sides of this. These are young kids that are obviously dealing with just serious issues. It's causing a lot of heartbreak. You think about these actual young girls involved. This is something that they may never get over or be dealing with the rest of their life. Of course, we will pray for God's healing in their heart and also the young man involved. Um, but at least him coming forward, the dad coming forward, does make it harder for schools to hide behind this whole pretension that these concerns are just a, a scare tactic used by bullying parents. I mean, I cannot count how many times, Victoria, that we've gone to these school board meetings where they're debating this transgender issues policy, forcing this policy in that's going to take away privacy areas and, and advocate transgenderism throughout the whole school to even young kids. We've been at these school board meetings multiple times when the argument that you hear over and over is what you're saying is hypothetical. 
there's no evidence of any of these violations or safety concerns. This does not happen. And I think we have, you know, it's clear today this is not just hypothetical. Well, and they've been, I mean, it's been a false argument the whole time because there have been other instances in other states. I mean, we had the situation in a California salon. We had that pool situation. If you remember a family pool where literally somebody goes unclothed inappropriately because they think they're a different gender. And so these young children are viewing back. I mean, it's so inappropriate. And so this was always not a real argument. But now that we have it in Virginia in a public school, it makes it virtually impossible for them to deny this. Um, And I'm glad to see the parents aren't backing off from, you know, from addressing this and from being honest about what's really going on. And even in the face of threats from the FBI, um, you know, I, I love that there was this mom at the school board with this this sign, you know, moms versus the FBI, you know, like, like, come and get me. I'm, I'm still going to defend my child. But from a political perspective, this is all getting very interesting because the parental rights issue is just blowing up right now. And actually, it's turned out to be the sleeper issue in the governor's race, right? Yeah, I mean, it's actually fascinating to watch because both sides are digging in their heels on this. You know, the Democrat candidate, former Governor Terry McAuliffe, came out with this yet another statement. So he made one in a debate. Then he comes out with another statement, basically reiterating that he feels like parents ought to back off and let the experts, and I'm I'm air quoting for people who can't see, you know, experts handle things in schools when it comes to curriculum. And the Republican candidate, Glenn Youngkin, has started a whole campaign around the idea that parents matter. There's actually parents for Youngkin signs in people's yards right now. And it looks like this race is neck and neck, even though McAuliffe was expected to have more name recognition and it's not, you know, people don't expect it to be as tight. It's a it's a pretty tight race around this issue, especially. I definitely think this issue has tightened up that race, um, but it's important to take a step back and look at the bigger problem behind all these news headlines, these political races. And that that is that this is all a symptom of a much deeper problem that we've been dealing with for a while. And that is the steady erosion of parental rights in our nation and also here in our Commonwealth. Victoria, I really want to hear your perspective on this from, you know, what you've witnessed with your work here in Virginia. Yeah, this is not a new battle by any stretch. This has been around since probably the beginning of time, since kids went to school. But I will tell you in Virginia, I mean, we've had every issue under the sun, and especially lately where experts are trying to tell parents to back off. In fact, one example I think of is where Children who have same-sex attraction that's unwanted and parents who want to help with that, we can't even, parents can't even take their kids to a counselor anymore because you're not allowed to get help. That's considered banned. And so parents can't even step in and help their kid. In schools, we've had to fight. When a kid shows up at a guidance counselor and they actually have a risky behavior, we've had to fight to say that guidance counselor has to cue in the parent. And then, of course, we have these transgender guidelines that are designed. I mean, the model guidelines literally have deception of parents built into them and telling schools we don't need parents involved in these situations. It's concerning. Yeah, telling schools actually how to hide things from parents, how to actually say one thing in front of the parent and another thing with the kids at school. Um, The good news is I will say some Wisconsin parents sued over a very similar policy that also was instructing school officials to basically keep secrets from parents. And so far they have won an injunction where that whole policy was halted. Um, So there is good news with parents fighting back. And along those lines, you've seen some major victories in areas of parental rights here in Virginia. Tell us about a couple of those. Yeah, we don't want to forget that we have had some wins. You know, our family life education uh, class, which we is like basically sex ed in our public schools, that that class does require that a parent 
has the ability to see what's taught. So we have an online portal that we required by law. They can go in, look at it, and review it, and actually opt their child out. So that's very helpful. We also have good parental laws around really tough topics like abortion. So we do have still in place uh, parental consent for abortion, that you know a parent is going to be involved in this young girl that's making the biggest decision of her life. So there are places where we've been able to secure those, but it's a it's a constant battle to say that the parent is the best advocate and the greatest partner for a child. Well, right now, if you want to see some tools that will help you, you can go to familyfoundation.org slash protect every kid. That's familyfoundation.org slash protect every kid. And you will see a school incident form where you can report uh, things that are happening to your student or you as a parent where you feel like your family's rights are being disrespected or even violated. So definitely check that out. Share that with other parents. And then there's also an opt-out form on there you can download when it comes to some of these controversial topics or real, or I should say a notice that you want your child to be opted out of these topics. So check those resources out. Uh, but Victoria, I just want to wrap this up with a very important question here, I think, and that is what is really at stake here if the government is allowed to insert itself between a child and a parent, if the government is unchecked in that, why are we really fighting this battle? What do we stand to lose if the government is allowed to have unchecked interference between parents and kids? We believe the family is the foundational unit of our whole society and that it's in the family that a child is protected, that a parent knows a child best and can help them flourish to the best of their ability. When the government steps in between that, and actually what they're really trying to do is replace the parent. It's not just stepping in between. It's actually saying, I know better than you. Step away. And we see that in so many scenarios that we're having to defend against. So we have to be on guard. That We stand by parents. Yes, there are rare cases where a parent maybe isn't doing the best thing for a child, but we know that the overwhelming majority of parents are going to be the champion for their child. And we have to, God's given parents that accountability. Parents are going to be the ones answering to God for their child. And so it's not going to be the government. And so we need to be staunch defenders of our kids. So to be clear, what happens to our society if the government replaces the parent? Well, we end up with fierce individualism and these building blocks aren't there. And so these kids are vulnerable to a absolute utter nanny state. So I mean, this is the, the this is the bottom basic part of socialism and Marxism. I mean, that's you've you've got to break down the family to get those kind of government structures that we know end in actual genocide. I mean, we we've literally seen where they end up in death um, in history because so, the government doesn't love no kids they, with the compassion of a parent. No, the they, government they has tools. the government has a utilitarian purpose. It has something it's trying to accomplish, and your kid is a means to an end, not the end themselves. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! You know, for this segment, I think we might need a reprisal of the one of these things is not like the other song because that definitely applies to Dr. Fauci's latest holiday advice. <laughs> Just a few weeks ago, this guy says he was asked by a national television reporter, like, whether it's going to be OK for families to gather around Christmas time. And he was far from encouraging, saying something like it was too soon to tell. But then... Just the other day on TV, again, he's giving his full blessing to go out for Halloween, to trick-or-treat. Now, remember, Halloween is house-to-house picking out candy and not anything like Christmas. It's crazy. Yeah, he said, go out and enjoy it. 
So I don't know if this advice is purely scientific at this point, but to me, the bigger problem is why are we asking Dr. Fauci for permission at the national level to have our holidays? I mean, have we turned into that much of a nanny state where we need this proclamation from on high that we can gather in our homes from Christmas for Christmas? I don't know what's happening to America right now. It's very disturbing. Well, at least there is some good news in that he actually got a lot of backlash for that comment and he actually had to kind of walk that one back a bit. But it's still the very idea that we're going to have this national advisor and he's going to tell us whether or not we should cancel Christmas. That's disturbing. Yeah, I thought only the Grinch had that power. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Yeah, I definitely think a lot of people feel like they're living in Whoville after he made that comment. And then, of course, it didn't help. Like I said, that right after that on CNN, State of the Union, Dr. Fauci announces his blessing on Halloween festivities. I guess it's outside and it's fun, but still, take a listen. I think that particularly if you're vaccinated, but you can get out there. You're outdoors for the most part, at least when my children were out there doing trick-or-treating um, and enjoy it. I mean, this is a time that children love. It's, it's a very important part of the year for children. I know my children enjoyed it. All right, well, I'm glad for the support of some semblance of normalcy somewhere for kids right now. At least they can go out and collect candy without having all these threats hanging over them. But I can't help pointing out some obvious inconsistency here with pushing the idea that the vaccine is the reason for being able to go out and go trick-or-treating because first of all, Aren't most kids that are trick-or-treating or should be trick-or-treating at this point, aren't they younger than 12? And isn't it kids below 12 that can't have the vaccination at this point? So I'm a little confused. We're saying it's safe for them to go up to the door, right up to the door, take candy from people's hands, but it's not safe for them to sit around at the kid table or even at the family dinner table for Christmas. Yeah, it's a little bit inconsistent, I would say for sure. And I can't help noting that this is the secular holiday we're fine with, but the Judeo-Christian ones that really matter to some of us of deep faith where we're celebrating the birth of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, those are the ones that we have to kind of wait and see and dance around and maybe we'll, you know, we'll see if it's a possibility we can actually gather to celebrate. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I guess that means we do have to give this week's Inconceivable Award to Dr. Fauci for sanctioning Halloween after being the Christmas Grinch. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.